Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We're a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. You can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, The Longhorn Republic, or Instagram, The Longhorn Republic as well. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your tired voiced host, like this week, like I am, well, really just this week. And I'm joined by a man who has mixed feelings about beating a team with the Buffalo mascot, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, man. It's, uh,. It's late. We're recording straight after the game. Central time. Feel terrible for all our East Coast uh, fans, but I feel like Gerald, we're basically doing like a college uh, late night, filling in the uh, the twelve to six a.m. slot uh, on college radio here. Uh, but we have some Longhorns to talk about. Giving you the immediate reactions. You're right. Uh, there was a couple times I had to stop myself from saying "Go Buffs." Obviously, Gerald and I share a high school alma mater. Uh, but we gave that up and quickly traded in for the burn orange. And man, Gerald, this felt like a good day to be wearing burn orange. This was fun. It, like, forgot how had multiple people text me and just say, "This looks like the old Longhorns." And I, I forgot how nice and easy and relaxing and and fun football can be. And nice and easy and relaxing a game against Colorado could be. Like, this felt like the old Big 12 when they had the cross-division matchup with Colorado. It's like, eh, we'll just beat them by 30. And so Texas came out. Number 20, playing in the Alamo Bowl. A little bit of a disappointing year, but they came out and took care of business against Colorado 55-23. to 23. You heard that right. 55, double nickel to 23. Now, uh, Texas looked really good in the second half. We do have to talk about uh, the first half and, and quarterback Sam Ellinger leaving the game uh, with a shoulder injury. Uh, that is kind of not a ton to talk about, really, other than you know, Sam had a good first half, 10 of 16 for 160 yards and a touchdown. Um, paved the way for uh, Casey Thompson to come in and look really good in the second half, played for um, the third quarter, and then I think maybe like a couple of snaps of the fourth quarter, and then they gave him the quick hook um, in favor of Hudson Card. But um, that's not the story of the game. The story of the game really is freshman running back Bijan Robinson doing what we knew he had in him. Now, it may not have always uh, been the choice that the coaches made, but Bijan came out and was nothing short of dynamic the words seem insufficient to describe what Bijan did 10 carries 183 yards a touchdown including a 66 yard run average 18.3 on the night that average actually gives him a school record for the season on yards per carry so Bijan breaking the first of what are hopefully to be many records in his time in burnt orange so Kyle as you look at what the Texas offense can look like with a fully functioning Bijan and what's what do you walk away thinking in the words of Dick Vitale he's a diaper dandy it's super sensational uh incredible way to finish your freshman year right passing James Saxton guy who averaged 7.9 yards in his first year on or excuse me in his best year on campus averaged eight yards Bijan broke it uh Bijan 8.2 yards through this season the, the the best to ever do it from a yards per carry uh, standpoint. Gerald, the last two games, Bizon has averaged about 220, a little over 220 yards total, right, rushing and receiving, because I think he gets overlooked. He's been really good catching the ball, five catches for 88 in the past two, yard, two, uh, two games, Kansas State in the bowl game. Um, but 
he's averaging both rushing and receiving 18 and a half yards a touch. 24 touches for 443 yards. Remember when we joked, again, we keep saying this, but remember when we looked at Bijan's high school tape and he had like a touchdown every two touches and averaged like 20 yards a touch and we said, ha ha, of course he'll come and do that at the college level. He's doing it. It's stupid. It's unreal. It's not humanly possible. Um, again, say what you will about the quality of the defense for Kansas State and, and, and even for Colorado stretches, but I, I don't care. He's did it in a bowl game. He did it against a Big 12 opponent, um, and and it, it definitely leads, and we'll, we'll have plenty of offseason to talk to, uh, but about hopefulness for the future in a team that's centered around getting him looks either in the running game or like we saw, getting him the ball out in space in the passing game, whoever the quarterback is doing that. I think ultimately um, from a, you know, we got a good one standpoint, right? Obviously you feel as good with the running game as you did at least since, you know, uh, we had a foreman back there putting up Heisman numbers. But, I mean, I, I think you're quickly going to see him, and, and no offense to what was an incredible season, but but surpass uh, with the ability that he has, the, the you know, potential to take a, a three-yard gain and turn it into a 25-yard gain. He's going to quickly shoot up people's all-time rankings if he can stay healthy and keep doing what he's doing because it really it, – it, it's stupefying to, to to you know put it not too fine a point on it. They did a really good job of getting him into space. We talked about it after the Kansas State game, right, where he's a guy that you get him into space and let him uh, make guys miss. And so that was what they did well. They hit him on swing passes. That those those uh, five receptions, they they were uh, getting him in again screens. They they created space for him to uh, make defenders miss. And and you know he did a lot of it on his own though. Like he did that thing where, that you love to see from your running backs, where you got to make yourself small in the hole and kind of squeeze through a little bit. Your your offensive line gives you a hole but it's not a huge hole and so you kind of make yourself small and then burst through it and I think that was we kind of saw what Bijan can be you know he is a home run threat he's not a Jamal Charles 425 guy but he's he's I think little Ricky little Cedric whatever you want to call him I think he's just we just call him Bijan because I think he's you know he's that that new running back that Alvin Kamara type that will hurt you in multiple phases of the game and I'd love seeing it you know, we got to see an offensive line that pushed people around for most of the game, especially in the second half. That offensive line looked really good. Majors got beat a couple of times, but he's a freshman. Give him a full offseason. <laughs> Let him get a, a spring underneath his belt. And so that was promising to me because you see the offensive line. You see the, the running backs. And, you know, you and I are, are notorious for watching a bowl game and drinking the Kool-Aid. So we're going to try to temper our expectations because the game literally ended like, what, 20 minutes ago now at the yeah. time of recording. So uh, there's a lot to be excited, though, from uh, B. John Robinson on the offensive side. There's also a lot to be excited about uh, at the potential quarterback future. We saw, got to see a lot of Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson came in in the second half and just, you know, went 8 of 10 for 174 one, two, three, four touchdowns, yeah. um, no interceptions, a 354.8 rating. Um, he also Silly. just, yeah, it was, he also decided to chip in, um, you know, four rushes for, for 22 yards, 17 yards, um, to, to kind of keep things moving, but he showed a lot of mobility. And I think the thing that I like to see that we hadn't really seen all season. And again, it's Colorado. It's a bowl game. They were, um, you know, kind of snowballed really quickly, but, Casey's kind of a gunslinger. Like, we hadn't really seen that from him, but uh, everybody quickly remembered that he owns basically all of the Oklahoma State 
like high school football quarterback records, uh, including passing. So he's a guy who's got a cannon. He's not, uh, he's a dual threat quarterback legitimately, yeah. like not just like the old, like, eh, he's more of a running threat quarterback, but he's a legitimate dual threat. He's got an arm. Now there's work to be done for him or C- Hudson card, whoever comes out, but I'm excited to see, uh, what he can develop into with the full off season under Mike Yersich. I'm excited to see what Hudson card could develop into, um, in a full off season under Mike Yersich or whoever the, the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach is. And I think that, um, it's promising to me to see that type of performance uh, after you lose a guy like Sam Ellinger, because that's a thing that could really demoralize a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there have been people who have, who have assumed that Hudson card being the young Austin quarterback fit the Ellinger mold. The transition was inevitable, but Casey Thompson had some things to remind some folks and it is going to be uh, a true battle. I mean, I think obviously if, if, Certain players get to vote. You know, Malcolm Epps will be voting for Hudson Card because there's a play that uh, they like to run together that he kind of waits until the last moment and chips it to him. They did it against UTEP and did it again for 20 yards tonight. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it'll be, it, it seems, whatever is decided in the quarterback room with Sam staying, going, whatever happens, again, if there's new blood, even without, you know, future quarterback recruits and recruits in this cycle who we lost and, and people we've, you know, thought very highly of the talent is here, right? We, even with Jaquin and Jackson transferring out there, there is a reason that, that people aren't coming here to play quarterback is because you got a couple really, really good ones right now on the 40 acres. And so I won't go too much further into that. Like I said, we have uh, a lot of off season to do it, but I mean, I think it just, the, the talent is there. We'll see who they have to throw to. Obviously, this was a test with most of the receivers playing in this game coming back. It, it wasn't a an especially robust on that, and I think Josh Moore probably is the star of the show. Two TDs certainly uh, looked good, and then uh, Kate Brewer getting some yards after catch, which was fun to see. Um, but, but the rest of the damage was done, you know, with, with uh, Bijan catching some. Uh, Kevontae Dixon needs a shout-out. He had one that was a yes. very close catch that got overruled, and then another that just took the absolute top off the defense with a 73-yarder that just showed speed and arm strength and things that just, I mean, it just looked fun and good, like big play Texas passing we haven't seen in a few years. So um, there is hope, right? And then remember, we'll get into it again later off season. Your mind immediately goes to the spring uh, when when you have your bowl game over. But, you know, we have another freshman in Troy Omier who's, who's, you know, there. So there's a lot of young talent, a lot of talent coming back. There there will be guys to catch the balls from whoever the quarterback is. But uh, again, in this one, Josh Moore, uh, Kevontae Dixon probably stood out the most for me. Uh, Avante Woodard getting in there, though, too. I, I like to see that, a guy who we've been waiting just kind of to, to get some production. You know, he was highly touted and hasn't really been able to get on the field with a lot of depth ahead of him. So a uh, lot to talk about again in the offseason and, and looking forward to next year in that receiver group. Absolutely. And it seemed like uh, there's already some chemistry with the, the, the whoever the new quarterback may be. Again, Sam has not decided whether or not he's coming back. Uh, but again, the a lot of the wisdom is that uh, it'll, he'll likely move on. So there's already some the chemistry with Casey Thompson. There's already some chemistry with Hudson Card. So we like to see that. Um, you know, we do have to talk about the defense. And, you know, it yeah. looked – the defense didn't look – it didn't feel as – dominating as a 23-point win or a 23-point performance normally does, right? Um, it looked a little um, looked a little par for the course for this defense, but which is fine because 23 points in the Big 12, well, that'll that'll get you a win in, in most games now in college football and especially when your offense, you know, decides to put up 50-plus. But the defense, 
in spots looked really good. And it seemed like we had the old problem, though, where the defense would come up with a stop and the offense wouldn't do much with it, especially in the first half where the defense came up with a couple of stops. The, uh, we have to talk about the, uh, the one handed big man interception from the defensive end, um, which is just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous that, you know, Alfred Collins came up with a one handed grab and he also had a pass breakup earlier that he's got, he's got to have a seven foot wingspan, right? Like he's got to be rocking Katie arms. Like there's no two ways around that. He came up with a stop and the offense couldn't do anything with it. So I think the numbers feel worse than they are because Colorado got some momentum late in that second quarter because the offense wasn't able to extend drives and give the defense a break. Yeah, those four three and outs really seemed to, uh, to to put this one. I mean, I think we texted about it. This was a game that it was at one point a seven point game between the two teams, and it easily felt like it could have been a twenty one or twenty eight point Texas advantage. Right, those uh, three and outs when the offensive momentum just kind of stalled out and and, and let Colorado, uh, you know, in the first quarter was outgained one hundred eighty to sixty eight, and in the second quarter uh, actually outgained Texas one twenty one to seventy four. So there seemed to be a tale of, of two quarters, and maybe that was. Sam already having some of that injury and, and not being able to to do what he normally does or just you know some of the scheme or whatever but it, it definitely bogged down and it looked like it had the recipe uh, for disaster obviously we, we talked about the offense opening it up in the second half um, the the defense I think you know just to, to be completely honest I think they with as many people out right five starters down as many people forced in as many people playing they had injuries coming in in throughout the game I think they did a great job in this one you know if anything they gave up a couple fourth down conversions which are tough um that allowed colorado ultimately led to points on those um they let them score in the red zone you know uh fourth down conversion on one of those for a touchdown really 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 good effort from a a solid a really solid running back for Colorado again, if if they get that stop another inch, then then this is an even different game, right? You're talking about 55 to uh, um, 16, right? And that's that's just a you know an absolute woodshedding. Not to say 30 points is, is nothing to scoff at, but I, I think with the defense in in modern era, I mean, I think they they did a good job. They actually struggled more. It seemed like when Colorado switched it up and went with a real running threat quarterback and, and had him dead to rights for a safety that he scrambled out of and he had made a couple plays. Um, so, you know, there's some things to work on, right? Of course, we always say that you, you want to win and, and still have some things to talk about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think looking at the next generation, we said in this game, look, how do you replace not just Joseph Osai, obviously first-team All-American, an incredible player, um, but also you have TQ out. So, like, what is the line able to do against a team that wants to run the ball? And, and for the majority of the game, they, they looked good, right? The highlights aren't of Texas being the team getting run on. They're, they're being the team running. And uh, and so, you know, I, that's good. And Alfred Collins being a huge part of that. Verton Broughton got his first career sack. Excited to see that. The young guard looked good in this one. And, and to me, that's exciting. Um, you know, we, we got to see uh, a ton of Jaron Thompson. We got to see uh, Jade Barron, even if it wasn't what you wanted for getting a pass interference there, but just young guys playing a lot and not looking like they're not up to speed is, is, is promising. You know, I will take a ho-hum 23 point defensive performance. Any, any sure. game. And you're right. We did get to see a lot of the young guys playing a lot of, of minutes. And that's good, especially, um, you know, with the recent recruiting struggles that Texas has had. And we say recruiting struggles, um, that's the defense is on the side of ball that's been struggling. But right. there's a whole other conversation to be had there. Um, but, you know, like you have a guy like, you know, Jade Barron or Jaden Hullaby, guys that 
uh, get into the game and, and need to get some some live fire reps. We got to see, you know, Sawyer Gorham Relch for for a couple of snaps. We got to see, um, you know, even Jet Bush and and uh, Reese Latow mm-hmm. get some get some play. The mm-hmm. the uh, impact players of the game, as as ESPN <laughs> decided to call them, which they were the impact players because well they're having to replace Joseph Osai. So what's the impact can, that those two guys can have? Like I get that, but uh, it was just still weird. But I think the overall, I think the defense. Um, was good and and this is something to build on for next year because you have again a lot of tape of young guys who have some who did some really good things. You also have a guy like Jaron Thompson who played good, played well, mm-hmm. but had some had some mistakes that he can clean up for next year. You got but getting a guy like Josh Thompson back who played really really well all over the field um, is big for Texas and getting that leadership back will be huge. So I, I'm again you we are we have this penchant you and I. And just Texas fans in general to make way too much of these bowl games. Um, yep. We we do this every year. We get yep. excited because Texas somehow beats the pants off a team that on paper might be okay. You know, Colorado on paper might be okay. Utah is supposed to be really good. Georgia is supposed to be really good. Missouri is supposed to be pretty decent. And, and Texas and now 4-0 under Tom Herman against those teams. And so um, we have to temper our expectations. We have to temper our reaction to this because yeah. this could, uh, you know, this could be very much a rebuild. This could be very much a you're missing a lot of guys. But, you know, bowl games, the value of bowl games now are letting you see get young guys reps both in practice and on the field. And from that vantage point, from that perspective, this feels like a success because we saw a lot of what the next year or two years can and will look like for Texas. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at a defense with the guys who did play, an anchor of, of we talked about him a lot, DeMarvian Overshone, um, next year is a money-making year, a guy who made all the plays in this game. If you don't want to extrapolate specifically from a bowl game, look at a season trajectory. That's more what we're looking at and project that out to next year, a guy, thankfully, who, who won't miss any time for targeting, but he's going to be an anchor of your defense. And Keandre Coburn, a guy who, again, you have just stepping in, filling in, and TQ on one side, Osai on the other, um, and, and played well into the fourth quarter uh, and and was just kind of an anchor of that defense. He's going to be back next year, the heart and soul. Who's the guy chasing down quarterbacks at full speed when they're running backwards away from him in the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter? Guy getting tackles, eating up, making his presence felt. Even when you have a 20-point lead, Keandre Coburn, that's your leader. That's your anchor of a defensive line, a heart and soul for next year. There's a lot coming back. There is a rebuild. There is for sure. Um, but I was excited to see some of that. The, the only thing that could have made this game better uh, is if uh, a guy who plays on the defense but excels on the special team side is if uh, Mr. Jamison could have got uh, broke one because you know he wanted it so bad. I've never seen a player so determined not to put his hand up in fair catch uh, over the course of a game as as, uh, as Deshaun Jamison was. He had one kick return that he had a speed burst just a second too late and a guy caught his heel or he may have been able to go but he wanted one so bad for the uh, for the snubs that that he may or may not have perceived uh correctly uh about big 12 and other voting but uh yeah i mean ultimately gerald i like you said this is an exhibition take it for what you will you don't play colorado next year whatever whatever but it's better to win them than to lose them, right? It's always better to win them than to lose them. It's always better to go out on a big win, uh, especially with an offseason that could get weird. Mm-hmm. This offseason might very well might get weird. So it's always good to have a 55 to 23 win under your belt to go into what could be an awkward 
uncomfortable offseason. But for Texas, there is um, – that's it. That's that's the story of 2020. Texas finishes the year. They'll, they'll, they're they ranked 20 right now. They may end up somewhere close to 15, and they know between 15 and 17 uh, at the end of the year, 7 and 3, which is, is less than what we hoped for. It's disappointing. Um, but most schools are killing for seven and three. We're not most schools, and I will not stoop to that level. But um, you know, for for a team where when the the world was on fire three weeks ago, so uh, seven and three and a and a you know what thirty two point win feels pretty solid. And I'll give you my one quick controversial hot take, and we can flesh this one out. But this was a ten win season because Texas would have beat Kansas had that game not been canceled. Texas would have beat South Florida, and I honestly, very much in my heart of hearts, feel that Texas would have beat early season LSU with with a great ease. And that right there, my friend, was ten wins we just called out. So not the best season. Those three losses are heartbreaking because they could have been three more wins, and you could be talking about butterfly effect, a 13-win season, but come on. Um, but a 7-3 and three season that could have been so much more, and that's that's the heartbreak of it. But uh, again, not the worst season in the history of college football, even if you know message boards and, and Twitter.com uh, is to be believed. Never believe anything you see on Twitter. Never. <laughs> Ever. Unless it comes from Longhorn Republic. You can follow us at Longhorn Pod. Well, we we don't ever put anything that's like worth believing, other than random gifts of dumb things. But that's that's kind of just what we do. But that's it, Kyle. That's it for 2020, mm. for the football season, for our 2020 of podcasting. It's been a it's been an interesting year. We uh, I didn't ever think we'd cover esports on the podcast, but it turned out to be a good time. We <laughs> you know we, we we broke some ground this year. It was a really good time. But um, you know, as Texas closes out. Their bowl season will close out 2020. We'll be back, obviously, on our normal schedule following the holiday. We'll have a Tuesday show. We'll have some basketball to break down. Hopefully, if stuff quits getting canceled, we'll hopefully have some basketball to break down on our Tuesday and Thursday shows. But Kyle, between then and now, where can folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at... Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with us between then and now. Thank you so much for joining us again for this late night sleepy time podcast. And until next time, hook them. Until next year, hook them. 2021.